Okay, we are back. You were married before you met Bill, and we're just going to backtrack back to that a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. So I got married when I was 20 years old. That was a relationship in many ways was very wonderful. And I will say that my addiction um, was maintained throughout that marriage, um, even though I wouldn't necessarily say that my ex was an addict. Um, he used drugs and alcohol, but not in the same way that I did. I would say he was, you know, what I would call a normal drug and alcohol user um, without life being, um, you know, broken up because of it. Um, and I would say that addiction had a lot to do with ending my marriage. Um, and, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of um, pain, I think, that I caused in that relationship um, because of being addicted to drugs and alcohol. And, you know, the main thing is that when I was using, I was not being my, my true self. Um, I felt like using helped me to be comfortable in my skin, but in reality, it, it changed me and made me be the person that I didn't want to be. Um, someone who lied, someone who was deceitful and ultimately was not a good partner. It certainly led to me wanting to get separated and then eventually divorce. When I met, when I met Bill, I was in this other relationship and, and we were all friends and we were all drinking partying all the time together. It's interesting to look back at that big group and see who, who were the true addicts and who were just having, you know, innocent fun and were not, you know, we're not the problem drinkers. Um, and it's clear to me now with my experience and knowledge as a therapist to look back and say, yeah, Bill was one of those people <laughs> and I was one of those people. And, um, you know, when we started dating, um, Bill and I, it was just a continuation of our, of how we were as friends. Um, we, it, now it was just like, wow, I've got a person that'll stay up till four in the morning where my ex would go to bed at two, like when the bars closed, he'd go home and go to bed like a normal person, but Bill, oh goody. He wants to like stay up and drink some more after the bars close and get high until the wee hours of the morning. Um, so in a way we, we made it worse for each other. I think in that, um, first year that we were together and, uh, you know, we loved each other as friends. Um, and it's, you know, I can't, and imagine. you're moving, you're moving over towards bill now. So mm -hmm. you, you divorced, you met bill while you were still married, but then you got a divorce. Yeah. Yeah, we knew each other for like three or four years, right? Before that. Yeah, so I was kind of the the third wheel, if you could say that, between Kira and her husband. We would we would all be doing everything together, you know, going on trips and driving places, but still we were always getting high everywhere we went and, and i'll bring it back like kind of to the beginning 
when we first met Kira and I and her husband, I remember her husband telling me that Kira's birthday is coming up and that one of our like other mutual friends invited us to go to her mountain house for her Kira's birthday. And I was like, oh, that's cool. My birthday's coming up too. When's Kira's birthday? And he told me her birthday was November 8th and mine's the 7th of November. So we also share a birthday basically. And that was the, I remember that time specifically like that party at the house because it was a small party. There was like six or seven people there. But once again, everybody else went to bed at like a normal time. And Kira and I were up until the sun came up. We just, we had to drink everything that was there. We had to smoke all the weed that we could. And I just remember being like, yes, I've got a partner in crime now. Like, this is cool. And yeah. it was, it was just did. like a, a mutual friendship, but it was like, this person gets me. We can do this together. I'd never met another person before who, when cleaning up, a party did not dump the empty, the, the half empty cans down the drain, but drank them. <laughs> so Bill and I were the cleanup crew at every party. And at the end of the night, you go around, pick up a can, it, like finish it. You didn't know who started it. <laughs> so we so finished gross. it. And, uh, you know, meeting Bill <laughs> sort of made me like, so oh, funny. wow. I'm not the only one who does this gross secret thing in the middle of the night. I couldn't stand. I couldn't bear the thought of of pouring um, alcohol down the drain. Did you shake no it way. to make sure there were no cigarette butts? Did you ever learn to do that? Oh, uh, I, I learned that after, of course, drinking out of a <laughs> bottle that had spit and cigarette butts in it. But you know, you know, sometimes you just you just miss it, and it just goes down the hatch, and you swallow a bunch of ash. Well, I think I think I'll just like bring bring us back to to um you know our first year together and get to the point where we decided that we needed to get sober. So so we were together for a year. It was just a continuation of our friendship, but yet we felt like, you know, wow, we're with someone else who can um, you know, stay up late, party. You know, it it really could have gone off the rails and we're really lucky that somehow we we found the the track to to get on in that first year, we had a couple slip-ups in our relationship. I'll speak just to mine, but I know Bill had one too, which was a, a scenario of infidelity, I suppose. You know, I was still really obsessed with being in like a cool crowd. And I had some like A-class friends who would go out in Philly to some, you know, high high class events and, and party. And I loved being invited and welcome in that. And, you know, it was just a night of boozing, feeling really cool, feeling really in the in crowd that night. Like there was just so many things that could have gone wrong, like getting into speeding vehicles with people who were drunk, um, partying with a bunch of people who were unsafe, putting myself in really risky situations. And then, having to, you know, I don't even know how I got 
home after that, but then having to tell Bill because I was starting to, I was starting to realize that I didn't want to repeat the mistakes in my marriage and that I wanted to, um, you know, I had kind of made a promise to myself that, uh, that, that relationship had ended, but I didn't want to make the same mistakes. I didn't quite nail it down to the fact that drugs and alcohol were the reason. Um, it was more, you know, like I'm not a good person and I need to stop making these mistakes. And then, so after that night I had to tell Bill, which in my last relationship, I would have lied about it until maybe I got found out. Um, but I told him and watching him, um, deal with that, uh, was really hard. It was at that point that I think I had started trying to make little goals for myself around my drug use and drinking. Like I'm only going to drink one night a week. Um, and I failed week after week after week, but I was at least starting to try. Um, and I would also try to limit how much I drank. Um, I would make some kind of obscured, you know, number of, I'm going to drink this many beers, this many shots, you know, whatever. Um, and again, and I failed every single time. I wasn't able to do it. Um, and then I think we could zoom forward to when Bill decided he wanted to start seeing a therapist and the therapist demanded that he get clean and sober before they get into a therapeutic relationship together. And <laughs> I remember Bill coming home from his therapy session. Meanwhile, I am a therapist um, at the time. And he tells me what his therapist said. And I'm hold like, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's crazy. <laughs> you're still drinking and you're a therapist at the time too. Yeah. And uh-huh. you're just barely, hold it, hold it, hold it. Because we got to <laughs> stop here for a minute. Because look, so moderation, some, I, you talk about, I'm sure you know a lot about moderation. So you were trying to moderate. Yeah, I was trying. Drink, as a, a therapist is like an alcohol counselor therapist or so so my first job i was a therapist for kids like three my youngest client was three years old and my oldest client was 18. so um at that time i didn't really have i actually had zero clients that were struggling with substance abuse i realized later in my first month of sobriety actually um when i applied for a job in a facility that did both mental health and substance abuse. I was a month sober when I first started working there. And I realized in the first day that there was no way I would have ever been able to have done that job if I was still in active addiction. Because my very first client was a young girl with substance abuse issues. And I, and her life was so different than mine. But when she started talking about her using I was like, wow. And I was a month sober, but I was like, wow, I I am so glad that I'm just, I am just a month ahead of this little girl really. And that, you know, and, and she helped me in a lot of ways, maintain my sobriety and in that very, you know, beginning stage, because, and now I was responsible. I was a therapist. I was supposed to be helping this little, this little precious little girl, um, you know, start her life in a safe and healthy way. And yeah, there, there's no way that you could, you could do that in inactive addiction. Yeah. Well, Bill came home from his appointment with his therapist and said, uh, this is, this is what he said that I need to get clean and sober before he can start treating me. And I 
<laughs> I felt offended. <laughs> I felt like, who is this guy? How can he tell you how to live your life? How can he, you know, like, I was just so judgmental, but I supported Bill and I wanted him to get the help that he needed, you know, definitely in support of anybody getting therapy who needs it. So I encouraged him, like, I gave him my blessing of like, yeah, go back. And I tried to like, kind of swallow my judgment. Um, but in the, in the weeks following that, and you probably like Bill, you probably had like a couple more sessions with him. So it was just sort of solidifying this need to get clean and sober. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, It was um, like the first meeting, you know, it was with him. It was like, all right, go do this, go get sober. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. How, How would one even get sober? What does, what do those words mean? Never thought about that in my life. And he said, what did he say? I think he said, I'm speaking at a meeting tonight. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Speaking at a meeting. He said, just show up at this place and walk in the door and you'll find me there. And I was like, okay, okay. That, that sounds strange, but I'll, I'll come. And I did, I walked in the door and I walked into that was probably my second AA meeting at the time. My first one was because my neighbor, she had been through AA and she gave me some people's names. So I went to another one before that, but my therapist, I remember him, him talking in the group and him telling him his story. And I, I was shocked to hear his story because I had never heard of anybody getting sober before. That was just not a thing I ever thought of. So to hear his story, it made my story seem ridiculous and easy compared to his life and what he had gone through. So yeah, that was it. I remember that day. And then I kind of started on my AA journey from there in the early days of sobriety. It was a really big foundation for me to get sober. And there was a lot of stuff that I didn't like about AA, but I knew that getting sober was more important than the things I didn't like about what I was hearing in the room. So I just went to the rooms instead of going out every day. You know, it's like Friday night, what do you do? Well, you either go out and get drunk, do drugs, or you go sit in a room with other people and listen to everybody complain about how shitty their life is. And that is what I chose to do. And eventually, you know, you start feeling a little, I started feeling like better. I would share, I would cry and people would support you. And, you know, I I did that for a while and by myself and Kira, she, she did not like that in the beginning. She's definitely had some judgments and, you know, I did too, but I, I was swallowing those judgments because they were, it was my life and you know, that definitely caused some hard parts of our relationship in the beginning of our sobriety journey. Well, I guess, I, I think guess my well, timeline's a little messed up. But yeah, <laughs> I think it is too. I think I would have <laughs> mentioned um, like the day you decided to get sober was New Year's Eve and that that was, um, a shock to me 
who was a person who was still looking forward to going out and getting drunk like half the world on New Year's Eve and that you were having you know a crisis of identity that day when we were at your brother's house um, getting ready for the the bike party and that the next day I decided out of pure friendship and love and solidarity that I would be sober with you too for and at that point when I had made that statement and commitment it was like there was no long-term commitment it was purely like you know I will be I will stand in sober solidarity with you while you get through your struggle well Um, let's talk about December 31st Bill (laughs) yeah yeah so um (laughs) funny story funny story so Kira and I we we're really into riding our bicycles. Like we, we ride our bicycles everywhere, especially uh, where we lived in Westchester. We, you know, it was like, it was normal for me to ride 50 to 60 miles. Um, but her, Kira, like she wasn't really into that, but eventually we started doing that together. And, you know, we'd ride to the breweries and we'd smoke pot along the way. And it was, you know, it was fun. So we started getting into these bike parties, which happened in Philadelphia and Baltimore. And a bike party is kind of how it seems. It's a a bunch of people on bicycles riding around the city and it's a big party, a bunch of people hooting and hollering, drinking beers. And we, we did that for a while, you know, they happened every week. So we would travel to the city. Sometimes we'd ride our bikes 50 miles to the city enjoy the party and smoke and drink on our bike ride all the way home. And my brother who lived in Baltimore at the time, there's, we went to visit him for new year's, uh, new year's Eve. So there was a bike party new year's Eve and we, uh, or it was the day before Kira, what was it? When was that bike party? The day the bike before? party was on the Friday, December 30th, 2016. And that night, um, you did not drink. Right. I did. That was yeah. that was my last night of drinking, and that was when you first started acting weird. And we were with him for the weekend, so the next day my, was we were with my brother for the weekend. Yep. And and so the next day, Saturday was New Year's Eve, and we were all gearing up just to go down to the waterfront and watch the fireworks that day. But from like morning until almost midnight new year's eve um bill was in quite a state <laughs> yeah it ha- it started that friday um during the bike party like we would go out and my brother and kira were drinking and i remember like i would ride and then we'd get to some place and i would i remember specifically we got to a park and everybody else kind of like went to one side of the park to drink and party and i just went to the middle of the park at the grassy area and I just like laid there and cried. I couldn't do anything else. I felt, I felt so, I don't even know what the word is. I, I really have no words to describe how I felt, but I just cried. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I couldn't really talk to anybody. I just, I felt so out of myself and that's how I was that whole night. I just, you know, the bike party would move on to a different spot. So I get on my bike, we'd ride we get to the different spot where we were stopping and I would go and cry some more. And meanwhile, Kira and my brother are like checking on me and 
making sure I'm okay and going about their times, having fun. And it was a mess. And it's just, it, like she said, continued to the next day. And so you had been going to AA meetings for a little while at this point, right? Was it like a couple months or a couple weeks? Um, I, I think that's where my timeline is messed up Kira, Do you remember? Yeah, I do, do not think that you had gone to AA meetings at that point. That's why I was trying to backtrack because I thought it was important yeah. to share about when you decided to get sober. And then it was after the Baltimore trip. It was it was in the new year of 2017 that you started going to AA. I think you went to a meeting as soon as we got back from Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, I'm really bad with timelines. Not my thing. <laughs> me too, That's why me too. Kira is my timekeeper. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, no AA meetings, just like the idea of getting sober. And I, I committed to it. I was like, this is, this is it. I'm just not going to drink. I remember, yeah, I remember passing on bowls and that was, that was it. So New Year's Eve <clears throat> from the morning, I, I couldn't get out of bed. I just was laying there if I wasn't hysterically crying, I was just staring at the ceiling with my eyes open and I couldn't move. I wanted yeah. nothing to do with anything. And it was freaking my brother and Kira out. It was freaking us both out a lot. I mean, if, if you're familiar with what the term catatonic means, that was Bill. Like going in between episodes of hysterical sobbing that was inconsolable to periods of just complete stiff body staring dissociative it was terrifying i actually thought he was potentially having a, a real mental breakdown and he was like that all day and we were both terrified and so there was no time for me to pregame um at that point because i was just taking care of bill all day and it got to be 11 p.m. So it was literally all day of just like, what's going on with Bill? Um, Bill's brother and I trying to um, soothe him, calm him down, get him to tell us what was going on, um, trying to understand what was happening. And around 11 p.m., um, Bill's brother, Tommy, was like, I got to go because he had a new girlfriend at the time and they had New Year's plans. And he's like, Tommy looked at me and was like, Kira, can you handle this? Like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, we've been we've been doing this all day, and uh, you know, you guys can just stay here if you want. But like, I got plans with my new girlfriend. Like, we're going out for New Year's Eve. So I was like, yeah, go, go. Like, maybe we'll see you later. Um, and when it was just Bill and I, um, I decided like I needed to. He he might have needed a um, like a firmer touch. Um, cause all day we were kind of like, what's wrong, Bill? Like, you're okay. You know? So I, I kind of laid it out to him and I said, Hey, like you've been in this house all day. Um, why don't we get out, go on our bikes? We're going to bomb that first hill. It's going to feel awesome. You're going to feel the rush and the fresh air. And I think you'll feel better. Um, and somehow he agreed to put his shoes on and get out and, um, we got on our bikes, we bombed that big hill from his apartment down into the, um, the inner Harbor. And, uh, we caught some fireworks and that was my first new year's sober since I was a teenager. Um, wow. and, and Bill too, I'm assuming. Right. Um, 
And so the next day, New Year's Day, um, January 1st, 2017, that was when I had made a statement to Bill. Well, we had kind of talked about it because he was he had kind of gotten shaken out of the the state he was in. Um, I think, you know, from that bike ride and getting out. So the next day he talked about it and he said, I think I'm going to be sober. And at that point I had said to him, okay, I'll, I'll be sober with you. But that was when, you know, I wasn't really making a long-term commitment. It was just a, uh, like, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll be sober with you for like a little bit or whatever. And, um, we, and then we drove back to Pennsylvania. And I think that's when, um, Bill started going to some AA meetings. And I I know you, you heard a little bit about that already. And, um, I was not going to AA meetings. I remember that. So this was the first week, first week of 2017. And Bill had been to probably two or three meetings in that first week. And, Um, I specifically remember the Friday night. So it was, um, it was a week after Bill's was a week after my last drink and, um, and Bill's day that he decided to be sober and, um, Bill. So he's got one day sober before you. He's got one day sober before. So his birthday is also one day before you. Yeah. Crazy. Well, well, two years (laughs) He's two years older, so he's yeah, got but two years. The days, yeah. yeah, 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 the days. <laughs> yeah, so um, I remember it was a Friday night. It was uh, one week sober, and Bill went to an AA. Meet. He, like we were hanging out, we we had plans to hang out, but he's like, "I'm going to go to a meeting, this Friday night meeting. I've heard that it, there's a lot of people there," and I'm like, "Okay, good. I'll you know see ya. Like I'll see you when you get back." And he went. And I had no idea how long these meetings were. Um, I remember like looking it up on the internet to find out how long it was, um, when he'd be back. And I was like, I'm going to order a pizza. And um, so when he got back, the pizza was there and we sat on the couch with the pizza between us. And he was telling me a little bit about how the meeting went and something that somebody had shared that struck him in a way about his identity being wrapped up in being, um, someone who drinks. And while he was telling me about this revelation that he had in the meeting, I had like a bite of pizza in my mouth. Like I was enjoying it, like feeling good, no problems with a bite of pizza in my mouth. And then I just started, my face just went like, like it just melted. And I had the food in my mouth still, and I had to spit it out because, it was at that point that I realized that I had a problem. Like that was the moment I realized that I had a problem. It was, you know, one week of sobriety for me. This is my second time around, so to speak, if you consider that time when I was 18 and I went to detox and like barely tried, but this time something clicked. And it was this idea of, is it necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink and to, use drugs. Um, and like, why do I feel so attached to it? And at that point I started really using my counselor lens on myself and I could see that I had a problem and I, you know, I couldn't even swallow my food. I couldn't eat the rest of the pizza. Um, and that was the moment that I had decided I had a problem. It it wasn't, it didn't mean that I was 100% committed to a lifetime of sobriety, but it, it was definitely the first time I was really looking in the mirror. 
And, and then I actually decided to go to a meeting after that, because I was like, whoa, Bill got some knowledge in that meeting. And, uh, you know, I don't even know if it affected him as much as it affected me when he was then telling me how it affected him. So he and, brought home some information from what somebody said, and then you heard it mm-hmm. with the pizza in your mouth. Yeah. And wow. it was just like, like, I felt sick. I felt total. I could not chew. Um, I started crying and that was like, that was definitely when the mirror was held up and I was like, whoa, I have a problem. Yeah. And I, that just tells me the power of a connection with addicts getting together and and discussing stuff right there, because I mean, you weren't even there and he brought it home to you and it had that big of a revelation on you. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, and I guess like I, I will tell somewhat of, I, I think it's an interesting story because I remember it very clearly of my first meeting that I went to. It was a popular club. It was a Friday night. So this was the, the next Friday night. So now I'm two weeks, both Bill and I are both two weeks in. I decided that like Friday night was probably my biggest trigger to drink because um, it was starting off the weekend. And, you know, the thing that I did was go to the bar, go out to parties, go out to clubs. And so it was... Um, second Friday in, and I decided it would not be a good idea if I was going to try to stay sober to be home. And Bill was planning on going to a meeting anyway. So I was like, all right, I'm going to come with you. Uh, We went and Bill took me in and we sat in the front row and someone passed me a book. And I'm like, I felt terrible. And I had never really suffered from anxiety in my life, but I was sweating like crazy. And I felt like the lights were way too bright and I just felt absolutely terrible. I felt like an imposter in a way being there. Um, and we, you know, we started out and like, you know, somebody said to open the book to a certain page and I was holding the book in my lap and my heart was just pounding. And then at a certain point I went to lift my like thumbs off the page. I think we were turning the page and my fingers left sweat marks in the book. Like it was wet. The book was really wet. And I was like, oh man, what is happening? And so I slammed the book, put it down and I walked outside and I like that room never felt so long um, than when I was trying to escape it as fast as possible and get out to the fresh air. And as soon as I got out and I, and I heard the door close, I just like, like bawling. I was bawling my eyes out and I don't even know what hit me. I think it was just seeing 40 people in a room on a Friday night where I assumed everyone was out drinking and that there were 40 people who, you know, regardless of how much sober time they had, they were not drinking at that moment. And that right there was a shock that I had never known that there were people who didn't drink, especially on a Friday night. Like what? I'm not the only one trying to not drink. Like there's all these other people. And I got myself to stop crying and I eventually went back in and I got to hear a few stories and um, yeah, it just was really helpful in the beginning to know that I wasn't alone. And I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I, believe now as a sober person is that the idea of sobriety really needs to be talked about a lot more. Um, it's not a stigma. 
and keeping it in the dark is just keeping a lot more people in addiction. And so if you're sober and you're living a sober life and you're happy, um, or even if you're struggling in it, just tell people about it because there might be someone else who's wondering if it's possible for them. So for me, yeah, just seeing that there were other people that were trying to live a sober life really helped me feel like I could do it myself. That room was almost like a lighthouse, wasn't it? Where you could see like your life had been just I'm a storm, basically. I mean, detoxing at 18 years old, a failed marriage with your your alcohol. And then all of a sudden you go into this meeting, you're leaving friggin' wet prints on a book. It, that, that was a lot of anxiety, wasn't it? Oh, yeah anxiety that I'd never felt before. And, and probably because whenever I got anxious, I would drink or I would smoke or I would use something. And so it was, I was covering up something that was there and not having those anxiety relievers. Um, it was all clear. I, I was exposed and raw and even as, as a therapist, you were, yeah, yeah. right. Well, I'm a much better therapist now than you I are. <laughs> Let's um take man, 30 minutes can just fly by, can't it? Yes, it can. I know. Let's take another break real quick and then we'll be right back. 